Well, good morning. It's great to see each and every one of you. And, and, and a loud shout-out welcome to our online church people in our city, our province, our nation, around the world that have joined in for the service today. And you're a part of a church of over 75 nationalities that we are aware of. We think it's great to be an intercultural church coming together to serve God. And we're really excited about the fall season. Lots happening as we step into the fall season. You heard about Alpha. And last Sunday we talked about the backpacks. And because of your generosity, every boy and girl in Morrison Gardens, every boy and girl in Dunbar Court is going to receive a backpack. And we're able to send some backpacks to the school across the street and also to Pinecrest School because of your generosity. And we believe that God is up to something amazing. Evelyn and I were on some vacation time, and just before we went on vacation, uh, we got an update of how many first-time guests were in our Sunday morning service. This is just a few weeks ago. Between our two morning services, 50 first-time guests filled out a guest card and brought it to the guest lounge. I think we need to celebrate what God's doing in this place, and we just give Him the glory, and we give Him the honor. So how many people are ready for God's Word now? You ready for God's Word? Come on, are you ready for God's Word? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dig into God's Word. And I just feel the Lord stirring me on some thoughts this morning. And I want you to pull out your, your outline, your sermon outline. It is on the back of your bulletin. Or you can pull it up on your handheld device. We've got Wi-Fi in the auditorium. Go to our church website. We're in a sermon series, summer sermon series, that we are calling Cultivate. Cultivate is the word that we're camping on. And we believe that God wants to cultivate some, some character changes in our life. And thus, we are exploring the fruit of the Spirit. And we're taking nine Sundays, one Sunday each, we're zeroing in on one of those fruit of the Spirit. And we've discovered that the fruit of the Spirit are a package deal. It's not just one, it's, it's, it's all. And God wants to work it. It's a spirit work of God cultivating these fruit of the Spirit. In case you're wondering, the fruit of the Spirit are found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And we learn in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that the nine fruit of the Spirit are love and joy and peace, you know what, and patience and kindness and goodness. And today, everybody say today. Come on, everybody say today. Work with me. Everybody say today. Today. We're going to zero in on the seventh fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness. And I want to unpack for you on the theme of faithfulness. I honestly believe that God by His Spirit wants to cultivate a deeper God work of faithfulness in our life. So in order for us to to delve into this today, I, I want to start with a working definition of faithfulness. And I mean, I, can, I could wow you this morning, I suppose, with the Hebrew word, but you won't remember it, and I, I probably won't pronounce it right, all right? And I can give you the Greek word, but I probably won't pronounce it right. I studied the Greek, I studied the Hebrew word, Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek, and here's what faithfulness boils down to. You can write this in your notes. Faithfulness is, is the concept of unfailingly remaining loyal to someone or something. I mean, you're unfailingly loyal to someone or something. And you're putting that loyal into a consistent, constant practice, regardless of extenuating circumstance. 
So I'm going to give you an illustration. It's honestly going to sound like I'm poking fun, but I'm not poking fun. In fact, I marvel at the faithfulness and the loyalty of Toronto Maple Leaf fans. And I'm not poking fun. I'm not. I'm not. It sounds like I am, but I'm not. I mean, I mean we, we, we raised three wonderful children and two girls and a boy. And when, when Jonathan was real young, I could influence his hockey team. And he liked Boston because dad likes Boston. And then we moved to the city of Montreal. And he started like the Montreal Canadiens because all the youth there and young adults got him to like the Montreal Canadiens. And then he, he liked the Mighty Ducks because he liked the logo. You know how it goes. And then we passed her in the greater Toronto area. And, and uh, here's my only poke, and it, it'll get out of my system. That's where he got poisoned, all right? And he started to fall in love with the Toronto Maple Leafs. My father was a Toronto Maple Leaf fan. And there's Toronto Maple Leaf fans here. And, and some of you, I mean, you've never yet seen a Stanley Cup. And some of you are like, well, last time I saw a Stanley Cup was back in the 1960s. But here's what I marvel about Toronto Maple Leaf fans. To the thick, the thin, the good, the bad, they never abandon their team. Am I right? I mean, you don't see a Toronto Maple Leaf fan goes, I'm, well, you get, they get tired of the Leafs, but they don't, they don't bail. They're faithful. They're, they're loyal. They're committed. They're dedicated. And they're just, they're all in. So look at that definition again, because we're not here to talk about hockey, because there's some greater things to be loyal and committed and faithful to. It's, it's an unfailing, a consistent loyalty to someone or something, and you're putting that into a constant practice, regardless of an extenuating circumstance. Let me give you some words. Write this in your notes. Here it is. Here's some words for faithfulness. Fidelity. I think that's a great word. I think fidelity can describe faithfulness. I think loyalty, I've already mentioned it, is a great word to describe faithfulness. Devotion. Uh, I mean, devotion, that's another great word. Dedication, commitment, adherence, and allegiance. That is what faithfulness is. Now, in a couple of moments, I'm going to take you back to, to, to the first time the word faithful is, 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 well, the first character in the Bible that's described as faithful. We're going to look this morning in a, in a couple of moments at a man named Enoch. And we're going to explore Genesis chapter 4 and Genesis chapter 5. And I felt the Lord just unpacking to me some thoughts that I believe he wants to speak to this house today. But let me, let me, let me, let me show you some verses here before we come to our text in Genesis 4 and Genesis chapter 5. The actual first time the word faithfulness is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 24, verse 26 and 27. And you're going to see it on the screen. That, that's a story where, where Abraham is trying to find a wife for his son Isaac. And so he sends a servant out to find a wife for Isaac. Let, let me read to you verse 26 and 27 of Genesis 24. It says, Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord. This, this is the servant. And he said, Praise be to the, the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham. I, I love what it says here. Who's not abandoned his kindness and his faithfulness to my master. And Amanda kind of highlighted this, that God never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And I, I, I'm just getting a little overwhelmed this morning that my God is faithful to me at all times. I want to ask you a question. How many people are glad that God is faithful to you at all times? Anybody glad that God is, God is faithful? And so the servant is bowing down and he's, and he's overwhelmed with the faithfulness and the kindness of God to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. I, I'd have to read to you, and so I'm going to read to you the great scripture from Lamentations. You, you've heard it before. Lamentations 3. 
Uh, verse 22 and 23, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassion never fails. They're new every morning. Could you say these last four words with me so we can get it in our spirit? You ready? One, two, three. Great is your faithfulness. It's 1925 that God stirred this guy to, his name is Thomas Chisholm. And Thomas Chisholm wrote that great old hymn, Great is Thy Faithless. But you may not know about Thomas Chisholm. He was born in a log cabin in Kentucky. And uh, he was raised, you know, to a life. But he was, he was 26 years old when he came to Christ. I think he's 26, 27. And he's in his 30s when he started in the ministry. He became a pastor. And it only lasted one year because he got real sick. And because of health reasons, he had to leave his place of pastoring, and he spent the rest of his life going through health issues. And a little later in his life, he got overwhelmed with the faithfulness of God in the ordinary days of his life, that he wrote that great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And Lamentation speaks of it. i got to read to you Psalm 117, verse 2, for great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures Forever. I love that. Every two years, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada has a general conference. And one of the most moving moments, at least to me, in the general conference, and I actually get overwhelmed with tears, is they have a communion service, and, and they honor the credential holders who have passed away in those two years since the last general conference. And they, they flash the names up on a screen, and it's moving because they're faithful men and faithful woman who have served God. And there's a scripture they always highlight, and you'll see it on the screen, Psalm 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Man, I love that scripture. I, I got to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, where Paul is writing to a church at Corinth. And he said, now it's required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. But, but there's another translation. It says, to be found Faithful, to be found faithful. And I love those words. I love what it says in Matthew 25, 23. And I really hope that Jesus says this to me. And he says this to you when, when we get to heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. Aren't those great words? Wouldn't it be great when you're standing before Jesus, he looks at you and says, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. So I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 5, and, and I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about a man named Enoch. And he's only mentioned three times in the scripture. He's mentioned in Genesis. We're going to read it in a couple of moments. And then he's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, in that great faith chapter. And then he's mentioned one, one more time in Jude, that, that second last book of the New Testament. It's a short book. And he's mentioned briefly there, but it's, it's very profound. Now, if you've got your Bible open, I hope you've got your Bible or a handheld device that you can pull it up. I want you to look for a moment at Genesis chapter 4, and I want to show you a contrast between 4 and 5, because they're two different chapters. And Genesis chapter 4 talks about Cain and Abel. How many people remember Cain and Abel? Do you remember those names? The, the first two children, Adam and Eve. And you know how Cain took the life of Abel. You, you know the story. And Genesis chapter 4 gives us, at least in verse 17, down to, down to verse 24, the, the lineage of Cain. It's, it's the Cainite lineage. And, and, and if you look at it closely, you discover 
that the lineage of Cain lived to serve this world. Now, here's the first comparison. Genesis 4 gives us the lineage of Cain, and they lived to serve this world. If you look at Genesis chapter 5, you're going to see the lineage of Seth. Because, because Cain, Adam and Eve had another son named Seth. And Genesis 5 gives the recording of the lineage of the Sethites. And the difference between the Canaanites, the Canaanites and the Sethites is that the Canaanites lived for this world, but the Sethites lived for the world to come. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I think I know the answer. How many people know it's more important to live for the world to come? than to live for this world. Come on, you with me today? If you're with me, lift up a right or a left hand or give a little clap offering of praise or a little hallelujah or say something. Am I right? Now, if you read chapter 4, they're living for the world. They got so caught up in construction. I mean, I mean you're going to read that, that there's... Now, Enoch is a common name. It's a common name. I mean, there's a lot of kids named Enoch in those days. And, and Cain had a son, Enoch, not the Enoch we're going to talk about, and, and we learn here that, that he built a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. I mean, I mean, they're all about civilization, building cities. And if you read farther, they're all about culture. Um, you're going to read about fine musical instruments. You're going to read about technology. I mean, they're all about cities. They're all about construction. They're all about culture. But if you read closely in chapter 4, you'll discover that there's a lot of corruption and you're going to see some, some horrible things that happen. And probably the most horrible thing that happened is in verse 23 of chapter 4, that, that, that Lamech, who's in the descendancy of Cain, said to his wives, I mean, he could have said a lot of things to his wives, but he said, I've killed a man for wounding me and a young man for injuring me. I mean, he's bragging that he had killed someone. I mean, that's how corrupt, that's how warped, that's how ungodly, that's how worldly the descendancy of Cain were. But then everything begins to shift in verse 25. And in verse 25 of chapter 4, you're going to read that Adam and Eve conceived again. And they gave birth to a boy named Seth. And you learn in the last part of verse 25, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Can I ask you another question? How many people know it's important to call upon the name of the Lord? Come on, do you believe that today? How many people believe Jesus can change your situation? So in chapter 4, you got the Canaanites. I mean, they're, they're corrupt. They're all into civilization. They're all into culture. They're, they're all into living a worldly life. And they're living in an ungodly worldly way. But then the shift happens and Seth is born. And, and then people begin to call upon the Lord. Now in chapter 5, chapter 5, you're going to read the lineage of Seth. In verse 6, we read, this is chapter 5, Seth, after he lived 105 years, became the father of Enosh. And then we learn that he dies. And then in verse 9, Enosh is mentioned. And then in verse 12, Kenan is mentioned. And then in verse 15, Mahalalel is mentioned. And then verse 18, Jared is mentioned. And then you come to the seventh in the lineage from Adam. And you come to this guy that we're going to zero on for a few moments today. And his name is Enoch. And I want to talk to you for a few moments about Enoch. Because you're going to see this morning that Enoch 
lived a faithful life. And I believe the Lord has shown me some thoughts about Enoch and how he lived a faithful life. And I believe that the Spirit of the living God wants to cultivate a deeper measure of faithfulness in our lives as we study Enoch today. So let's, let's get right to it. Let's look at chapter 5, verse 21. This is Genesis 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Now, some of you shut down, you go, hokey smoke, he's 65 years old and he becomes a father? I don't like this text. You got to remember, they lived a long time in those days. And it wasn't far from the creation account. So, you know, Methuselah lived 969 years. They lived a long time. So 65, he's still a young boy, right? So here it is. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. We know Methuselah lived the longest. Now look at verse 22. After he became the father of Methuselah, this is the words, Enoch walked faithfully with God. 300 years, and two other sons and daughters. Now, I want to point out to you that the first time walked is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 2. Remember in Genesis 2 where Adam and Eve, you know the tree, the forbidden tree, they ate of the fruit, and and it tells us in Genesis 2 that they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. And it's, it's kind of an analogy. It's like God is... In the garden, and the analogy is God is pursuing them. How many people are glad that God pursues you? Isn't that good? And he's walking in the garden. And this is the first time walked is mentioned. But now in Genesis chapter 5, the word walked is mentioned again. And it's in connection with Enoch. In chapter 2, God is walking in the garden pursuing Adam and Eve. But in Genesis chapter 5, Enoch is walking faithfully with God. And the word walk means to commune. It means to fellowship. It means to connect with. And he's not just fellowshipping and connecting with God. He's doing this faithfully. Faith, there's the word, faithfully. I mean, he's, he's loyal. He's devoted. He's committed. He's, he's got an allegiance to God. He's, he's, he's in covenant with God. He's, he's not bailing on God. I mean, when, when things were getting tough in Enoch's life, he wasn't bailing on God. He was holding on to God. He was living out his faith with God. And the Bible says that after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Look at verse 23. All together, Enoch lived a total of 300 And 65 years. Now look at verse 24. I find it interesting. And in verse 22, we we learn that Enoch walked faithfully with God. And the Holy Spirit inspired the writer who wrote the book of Genesis to repeat it again. Not not because we didn't get it the first time, but to say it again because it's so important. Repetition is in the Bible for emphasis. And here it says it again, verse 24. Enoch walked faithfully faithfully with God. I mean, we got to note it. It's mentioned twice. And then he was no more because God took him away. There's only two people in the Bible that didn't experience death. One was Enoch and the other one was Elijah. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. You remember it. Enoch is walking with God faithfully for 300 years and then God took him. He left this world and he went to heaven. So that's what we learn in Genesis chapter 5. We're going to come back to it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 now. Hebrews 11, verse 5. Because this is the second time 
Enoch is mentioned. Hebrews 11 is the great chapter of faith. And one of the illustrations of living a life of faith, the writer to the Hebrews gives us the illustration of Enoch. I love this. This is verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. He was translated from this life so that he did not experience death. I love these words. He could not be found. Now think about it. He walks with God 300 years, and, and on that final day, everyone's looking for him. They can't find him because God had taken him away. And then it says, before he was taken, before he was translated, before Enoch left this world and went to heaven, he was commended as one who pleases God. Genesis teaches us that Enoch walked faithfully with God. Hebrews teaches us that Enoch lived a life that pleased God, so much so, the next verse, verse 6, says it's impossible to please God without faith. You want to be a God-pleaser? Walk in faith. Now, there's one more time that Enoch is mentioned, and it's in Jude 14. It's, it's, it's one chapter, so we don't, we, you can say chapter 1, verse 14, but there's no chapter 2, right? It's a short book. It's the second last book of the Bible. And now 6,000 years have gone by. I mean, 6,000 years have gone by, 4,000 leading up from, from, from Genesis, the early chapters, to, to the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and now you just got to fast forward years. Sorry, not 6,000 years have gone by, but, but I want to tell you this. I made a little mistake there. Let me back up. Jude starts to talk about something in Jude 14 and 15, about something that was going to happen 6,000 years after Enoch walked on earth. And he's talking about the second coming. He's talking about God coming with judgment. Now let's read. Verse 14 and verse 15. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. Enoch's the first prophet in the Bible. And he prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone, to convict all of them of their ungodly acts they've committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Jude comments about Enoch being the first prophet, prophesying about something that happens, will happen 6,000 years, thousands of years, thousands of years after him, prophesying about Jesus coming in judgment. And he didn't understand it, but he prophesied about it, and he spoke about it. So I've read to you three scriptures where Enoch is mentioned. I, I want to leave you, I want to leave you with seven quick things, and they're, they're real quick, but seven things I felt the Lord prompt my spirit about how you and I can live a life of faithfulness as the Spirit cultivates. So let's go quickly. Number one. First thing I want to show you, it begins with a decision. It begins with a decision and a commitment. And there's two things I want to point out to you about the decision and the commitment that Enoch made to walk faithfully with God. And the first thing is, and it's, it's obvious, but you've got to think about it, in order to walk with someone... You've got to be in the same place. Am I right? I mean, I get up tomorrow morning and go for a walk at 6.30 in the morning from my house. And you can get up at 6.30 in the morning and walk from your house. We're both walking at the same time, but we're not walking together. To walk together, you've got to be in the same place with that person. You've got you to be in the same place with that person. And Enoch got in the same place with God. 
And he said, I'm going to walk with God now. Now, here's the second thing I want you to notice. When did he make this decision? Now, maybe, maybe I've read the scripture wrong, but, but the way I see it, he's 65 years of age, and he becomes the father of Methuselah. And then it says, he then began to walk faithfully with God. When did Enoch start to walk faithfully with God after he became a father? I don't know what was your moment, but sometimes something stirs you to get serious about God. And I'll tell you, sometimes when you become a parent, you start to get serious about God. Sometimes when you walk through a health issue, you get serious about God. Sometimes when you go through a difficult time, you get serious about God. But I, I want to challenge you, and I want to challenge me. I, I tell you, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. I want us to be serious for God. I want us to make a decision that we're going to live for Him. We're going to serve Him. We're going to put Him number one. We're not going to turn our back on God when life gets difficult. We're not going to run from God when life doesn't make sense. We're not going to bail on God when things don't go our way. We're going to trust Him. We're going to lean in on Him. We're going to make a decision that we're going to hold on to God because He's holding on to us. And we're not going to turn our back on God. We're going to serve Him. We're going to live for Him. We're going to walk with Him. We're going to put Him number one in our life. We're going to put Jesus in the center of our marriage. We're going to put Jesus in the center of our family. Come on, Woodville. We're going to put Jesus right in the center of our life. Come on. Come on, Enoch. Enoch made a decision. He said, I'm not going to walk like the Canaanites. I'm not going to put my efforts into building a city. I'm not going to put my efforts into technology. I'm not going to put my efforts into fine arts. There's nothing wrong with building a city. There's nothing wrong with playing an instrument. There's nothing wrong with technology. It only becomes wrong when that becomes more important than God. How many people know Jesus needs to be the most important person in our life? Come on, are you with me today? Enoch. Enoch made a decision. And he made a commitment. And the turning point is when he became a father. Let me take you number two real quickly. It helps to have faithful influences. And then it's real good to leave a faithful legacy. It really is. It's really good to have faithful influences. It's really important to leave faithful legacies. Who's walked before you? What are you leaving behind you? Now, it so happens to be when I read in Genesis chapter 5, before it mentions Enoch, it mentions a godly legacy. And the turning point in the godly legacy came when Seth was born. I mean, before Seth, they're, they're busy building a city, fine arts, technology, there's corruption, there's, there's worldliness, they're, they're living a life without God. But now Seth is born, and there's a turning point. And the turning point is after Seth was born, you read in the last verse of chapter 4, it's at that time people began to call on the name of the Lord. There's a, there's a turn, there's a change. All of a sudden, people are lifting their eyes to heavens. All of a sudden, people are calling out to God. And, 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 then, and then after Seth is born comes Enosh. After Enosh comes Kenan. After Kenan comes Mahalalel. After him comes Jared. And there's a godly, a godly, a godly heritage. Now some of you are sitting here today going, Mark, Mark, I don't come from a godly heritage. 
I mean, come on, Mark, if you knew my dad, he was so far, if you knew my grandpa, he was so far, if you knew my great, I come from a horrible lineage. Now, your biological lineage might not be a godly influence, but how many people know God can put godly spiritual moms and dads around you to be a godly influence? How many people know, you know what I'm talking about? God can put people around you. Now, now my mom doesn't come from a godly lineage. I mean, she comes from a home where grand, my grandpa was an alcoholic, and if you trace back farther, it was, it was a messed up, ungodly family. Until one day, Gramps found Jesus, and everything changed, and he got set free from alcohol. How many people know just because your past was horrible, Jesus can change the baggage. Jesus can turn it around. Jesus can bring godliness where there's ungodliness. Jesus can, just because your daddy was an alcoholic, doesn't mean you're going to be an alcoholic. Just because your, your family background was this, doesn't mean your background and your life will be this. How many people know Jesus can make the difference in your life? Come on, amen. He can he can. And you might not have godly mom, godly dad, godly grandparents, but find spiritual people to come around you. Now, 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 I want you to look beyond Enoch. After Enoch comes Methuselah. After Methuselah, verse 28, comes Lamech. Then after Lamech comes Noah. There's the name Noah. And so the way I read it, Enoch is the great-grandfather of Noah. And the second person, this is important, the second person in the Bible who's talked about living a faithful life is Noah. We learn that Enoch walked faithfully with God. And then we learn in chapter 6, verse 9, it's not on the screen, but look at your Bible. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. I happen to think the reason, one of the reasons, one of the reasons why Noah walked faithfully with God is because he had a godly lineage. So who are your influences? But more importantly, what legacy are you leaving? What are you passing on to the next generation? What are you passing on to your children? What are you passing on to your grandchildren? I happen to believe that in the last days, God wants to pour out his spirit. Do you believe that today, church? Come on, do you believe God wants to pour out his spirit? I'm I'm praying that Holy Spirit would show up at the Ottawa Valley Camp and those hundreds of young people and those 70 senior high young people from our church would have a divine encounter with Almighty. I'm praying, I'm praying that the next generation will will, will step into areas that we've never stepped in. I'm praying that the next generation will do more for Jesus than we've ever done. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying that the best days for this church are that, come on, Woodville, are the days ahead of us. I'm praying that we could pass on a God a godly legacy, and God would do great things in our youth and our children. Somebody, somebody, somebody shout in, eh. We've been on a journey where we're bringing one pastor each month into the boardroom to give a little report, and, and we pray over them, and we bless them, and it's, it's powerful. Our pastoral team are loving it. We had a board meeting on Monday night, and Pastor Shelley, our, our lead children's pastor, came in, and she started to unpack some stats And she said things like, last Sunday, I had to pull out extra chairs. There were so many children. She said, on an average Sunday, this might shock you, from from one breath, I mean, that's, that's newborn, one day old, right? All the way up to the age of 10, there's 300 boys and girls 
in this church on a Sunday morning. Come on. Come on, that's powerful. She says, sometimes it's more, but, but we see 300 boys and girls. That's larger than most churches in the nation of Canada. She's pastoring a church. I pray that God would pour in his spirit on our children. I pray that those children would see God do great things in their life. Amen. So, so Enoch, Enoch, let's get it in our spirit. This, this is number two. Let's, let's not miss it. We, we got to make sure we got this really, really close in our hearts. What, what do we learn? What do we learn about Enoch? Enoch had a faithful influence in his life, and he left a faithful legacy. There's number three. Number three. Let's go quickly. Be sure that you have the long view in mind. I tried to wrap my brain around this, that he walked faithfully for 300 years. That's a long time. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a long time. 300 years. Three, 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 300 years he walked faithfully with God. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes we live for the moment. I mean, I went on this health kick last week, go to the gym six days a week, but I, I still find it hard when I'm in a restaurant to resist food. And I think, I'll, I'll eat it, and I'll work it off tomorrow. Anybody else willing to wait? That's, that's, that's just the way it goes. It's, it, we sometimes live for the day, but we forget the long view. And the turning point for me, when I started to get my health really in check, Evelyn gives me a gym membership. I mean, she's like close to the Holy Spirit. She's convicting me, and I, I start going to the gym. But, but the real turning point, honestly, I'm sitting on a beach, and I'm wearing my swimwear, and I looked at myself and said, this is horrible. And I looked at my daughters, and they're young. It's a lot of years ago, and I thought, I want to walk them down the aisle. I want to make decisions today that are going to impact my tomorrow. Are you with me today? Not just physically, but we got to learn to make decisions today that are going to affect us in a good way for our tomorrow. I mean, you want to be ready for retirement, you got to start getting ready today. You know what I'm talking about? You want to live a long life, you got to take care of your health. And you want, you got to sow the right things today to reap the right things tomorrow. Are you with me today? And we learn in our Bible that, that Enoch had the long view in mind. Let me take you to number four. You got to learn to have a God honoring life, you got to learn to put God first in every single area of your life. And it teaches us in Genesis that Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years. I mean, he's walking faithfully with God. He's putting God first in every area of his life. Now, this is just a little nugget of truth that I've I've preached before, but I want to say it again. If you want God to bless an area of your life, put him first in that area. Got it? Put him first in your finances. Put him first in your marriage. Put him first in your parenting. Wherever you put God first, he releases a blessing. And number four, we got to learn to live a God-honoring life. Then there's number five. You must share your faith. I mean, my, my walk with God is a personal decision, but it's meant to be public. I need to share my faith. And when I read to you Jude 14 and 15, I discovered that Enoch was the first prophet. And the message that he went out preaching as he's walking with God is about the judgment of God, about he's coming back. He went public with his faith. 
And I want to challenge everyone in this room to go public with your faith. Jesus puts people in your path to use you to share his love. Mark and Evelyn, we live on a street in Barhaven, and we've built connections with our neighbors on our street. And God gives us opportunities all the time to share our faith. Can I challenge you to share your faith of Jesus Christ? Share your faith. And Enoch shared his faith. Alpha's coming up. You've got a great opportunity to invite people. And then there's number six. Let God take the lead and establish the pace and the direction. Now, I, I want to unpack that because you're going, okay, let God take the lead and establish the pace and the direction. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. He walked with God faithfully. 300 years, he walked with God. When Evelyn and I were dating, I learned something quickly about my wife. She is one fast walker. She really goes fast. I'd have to slow down. And she just, she just moves quickly as she's walking. When you're walking with someone, someone's going to decide the pace, and someone's going to describe or decide the direction. Someone's going to take you at a pace, and someone's going to decide the direction that you go. And here's, here's what I saw when I studied the life of Enoch. Let, let God take the lead, and let him decide the pace, and let him decide the direction that you're going. You might get up someday and go, I want to go straight and turn right. And God says, no, I want you to go straight and turn left. I don't go to you. I want God to take the lead in my life. I want him to lead me. And I want him to decide the pace. And I don't go to you, but sometimes I feel like things are taking a lot longer than I want. And sometimes I'm like, man... Things aren't going as fast as I want. It's taking forever. But I'm learning that God's timing is always perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's always on time. Amen. And when I study the life of Enoch, I felt the Lord say to me to remind the house, let God take the lead in your life. Where he leads, you go. What he speaks, you do. And let him decide the pace and the direction. But then there's number seven. <laughs> oh my. Live for eternity. We got some people in our church that are in their 90s. And there's two particular people in their 90s that I go see rather frequently. And one's 99 years old. And the other lady is 93 years old. And you know what they say to me every time I show up? I'm still here. And then they look at me and say, Pastor, can you pray that Jesus would take me now? And I said, I sure can. And that's a hard prayer. But, but, you know, Enoch is walking with God faithfully for 300 years. 300 years. And one day, God said to him, we're closer to my home than your home. Why don't you come? And live in my house. Now, I'm going to show you something that maybe you never saw in God's word before. But, but, but Methuselah. Would you say that name? Methuselah. Come on, say it again. Methuselah. Do you know what the name Methuselah means? The name Methuselah means this. Write, write it down. When he is gone, it will come. 
And there's something about that name. When, when he is gone, it will come. Now, I didn't do the math, but I read in several sources this week, and it's probably in many sources, that Bible scholars have done the math that the year that Methuselah died was the year that God sent the floods. Now, now what, what does his name mean? When he is gone, it will come. I wonder if Enoch got a little nervous when Methuselah had a sniffle. I wonder if Enoch got a little concerned when Methuselah had a headache. I mean, I mean, when he is gone, it will come. And in the book of Matthew, it teaches us as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days when Christ comes back. Now stay with me. I believe that the, that the picture and the account of Enoch walking faithfully with God 300 years, and one day he was translated to heaven, and they couldn't find him. I'm convinced that what happened to Enoch is a prophetic picture of what's going to happen, and I kind of hope it's in this generation, when Jesus comes back. And the trumpet sounds. And the dead in Christ are raised first. This is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And those of us that are alive will be caught up to be with the Lord. How many people are excited that someday, come on church, how many people are excited that someday Jesus is coming back? Methuselah means when he is gone, it will come. When he is gone, when he is gone, it will come. And I want to challenge you and challenge me. Don't be like the Canaanites that live for this world. Don't get so caught up in stuff and things and this hold lightly to this world. Heaven is our home. Amen. I'll tell you, church, I can't, I can't, I honestly, I get jealous when our seniors step in. I wish it was me someday. And I know, I know how that sounds, but I'm telling you right now, I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to spend my eternity with Jesus. I can't wait to be in the presence of the Lord. But I'm a little conflicted because I got a lot of people I know that don't know Jesus yet. And because I believe that he's coming back soon and we could very well be the generation. It's making me do all I can to reach people for Jesus. So Woodville, we're not going to stop. We're going to be, we're we're going to be relentless. We're going to do all we can to reach this city for Jesus Christ. We're not going to give up, sit down and stop to everybody in the city of Ottawa knows Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I'm believing for hundreds of new believers in the fall. Are you with me today? I believe what God wants to do. This building cannot contain. I'll tell you, Woodville, be like Enoch and live for eternity. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet all across this place. Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord that you, by your power of your Holy Spirit, would take the story, the account of Enoch, quicken it to the spirits of everyone in this place. 
I'm asking God that you would teach us and show us and by your spirit help us to live a faithful life. Help us, God, to be found faithful. Help us to be faithful, Lord, at all times. Help us, God, to be faithful in our marriage, faithful in our family, faithful in our church, faithful in what you entrust us to. Help us, God, by your spirit to be faithful people. But God, in a couple of moments, as we open this altar, I, w- I want to pause and say thank you that you are the faithful God. Amen. I, I want to thank you that you're the faithful God. And we're lost without you. And we need you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Look this way. How many people really believe God is faithful at all times? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? In just a moment, I want to open this altar. I'm, I'm not going to give you names, but can I give you some things that people are walking through that they told me this morning? There's a couple in this church, and they're right here right now. And she's walked through brain tumor surgery. And the tumor was removed, and she's going through her radiation treatment. And she's got two more to go. How many of you believe God's going to be faithful to her through those treatments? A lady was telling me this morning that this week her husband's going for open heart surgery. We need faithful God to be with him. I had a man pull me aside this morning that shared the details of the death of his brother. And I won't give you all the details, but it's sad. And he's really broken this morning. How many people believe that the faithful God can put his arms around this man in our church today? I believe it. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord very strongly saying to me, as I came here early this morning, and I'm in my office, and I'm just praying over the story of Enoch, like he walked faithfully with God. And I felt the Lord say to me, as he walked faithfully with God, say to the house, God walked more faithfully with him. And I feel the Lord has a word that he wants me to say over this place this morning. He, the faithful God, wants to minister to you in whatever you're walking through. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord say to me, there's going to be a lot of people in church this morning. They're going through stuff. And they really need the faithful God to step in and do a mighty work. I I don't know what you're walking through. It might be physically, emotionally, financially, relationally. I I don't know what it is. But but you've walked in. You're like, man, I I need faithful God to break in. Here's, Here's what I felt the Lord say. Have a man to start to lead in worship. And invite these people to come and stand at this front and pray for them and believe for breakthrough in their lives. So here it is. How many people believe that the faithful God can do something awesome in this place today? Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Do you believe? Come on, do you believe it? What are you walking through? What are you facing? It's not too big for God. He's faithful. I said, He's faithful. He's with you. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's not about to leave you. He's not about to forsake you. He's walking with you this very moment. And I just feel the Spirit of the Lord saying to me that there's some people right now, and I, here's, I, I believe it's a prophetic picture. You're walking hand in hand with God, but you're trying to pull your hand away. And God's holding your hand tighter than you're holding His hand because He's not going to let go of you. He's not going to let go of you. He's going to walk you through it. 
I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying to me, there's, there's a whole bunch of you right now, like Mark, what I'm walking through is nothing compared to someone else. Don't minimize your mountain. Whatever you're walking through, big, small, don't minimize it. Jesus wants to step in. The faithful God. I just believe we're going to have a God moment. When I say God moment, I feel the windows of heaven are going to open over this place. And the spirit of living God is going to step down and do something in your life today. So Amanda, I want you to lead us in this song. And if you need God to step in and do something, the faithful God, he's here this morning. I want you to leave where you're standing. Come right now. Stand at this front. Lift your hands. Open your heart. And let God come and touch you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Whatever you're walking through, come on. He's here. He's in the house today. He's with you right now. He wants to minister to you. Lift your hands all across this place. I pray in the name of the Lord God Almighty that the windows of heaven would open over this place. I speak and I pray breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I pray that the sick would be healed this morning in the name of the Lord. I pray, God, that marriages would be now flooded with hope because of your faithfulness in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of the Lord that those that are having surgery this week, that you, the faithful God, would go before them in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, for my friend whose brother passed away and his heart is broken. Wrap your arms around him in the name of the Lord. 
I pray that you would breathe comfort. You, the faithful God, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem fair. But would you, God, wrap your arms around them in the name of Jesus? God, there's people standing right now at the front of this church that, God, they are so desperate that if you don't show up, it's over. So, God, I pray that you would show up in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of the Lord that you would bring breakthrough in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, Whitville, lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Speak breakthrough in the name of the Lord. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I'm asking God that you, the faithful one, would wrap your arms around these people. And I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that there would be an open heaven over their lives. That you, God, would step in and do what only you can do in the name of the Lord. So God, we confess sometimes it's hard to walk faithfully and we see our failings. But may we be reminded, you, the faithful God, is holding tighter to our hand than we are holding yours. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you put your arm around these people and reveal yourself to them and bring breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Come on, before we go, just lift your voice. Sing it, sing it, sing it to the Lord. Before we go, sing it to the Lord. give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God Almighty. (laughs) Aren't you glad He's faithful? I said, aren't you glad He's faithful? Amen. I want to lead us in prayer and after I pray, the band will keep playing. If you want to stay at the altar, you're welcome to. And if you're our guest, make sure you drop by the guest lounge. We want to bless you with a coffee card to a Uh, Tim Hortons, Starbucks, or different places. And we're so glad that you came today. So God, thank you for everyone here this morning. 
God, as we've studied the life of Enoch, stir us with these thoughts. Help us, God, to walk and live faithfully. We can't do it on our own. We need the working of your Spirit. I pray, God, for everyone standing at the front, would you, the faithful God, put your arms around them, be with them in the days ahead. Give us a great week. We love you. We praise you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. God bless you.